0: And we're back cranking out another BM. That's right. It's boomer memes, your favorite podcast. I know this. I feel it. I feel it in my blood. Yeah. Uh, thanks for coming back, everybody. I appreciate it. Uh, we're, we're, we're just doing what we can, you know, to, to, to put out quality content that you guys appreciate, um, right off the bat, speaking of quality content, um, I have a show, I guess this will come out Friday. So it'll be tonight. Um, last I checked as of recording this on Thursday, tickets are still available at bodecomedy.com. You can uh, go to bodecomedy.com, pick up those tickets. It's a lot of funny comics and myself. Um, that's really all you need to know. If you're listening to this show, you're coming to the show. If you're listening to this show, you're coming to my live show for me. So I'm not saying that those other people aren't enjoyable. You'll have a great time, but I don't need to have the flyer in front of me to promote that shit. It's bodecomedy.com. tomorrow night, tonight, Friday night, October 1st, 9 PM. Um, I've also got, uh, there's, if you want to reach out to me, I've got an email address now. It's boomer memes, pod at gmail.com. Um, I've also got a new official boomer memes, Instagram account. That's boomer memes pod mm. on Instagram at boomer memes pod. Um, If you go there, you will find all of my links in the, uh, in the bio, I've got a link tree set up and you can find all of my other social media, the music I've put out, um, you know, generally all the, the, the wacky shit I'm involved with. Um, it'll all be in that link tree at boomer memes pod on Instagram that, that I think gets it all out of the way. I think we're good. Oh man. How's your week been buddy?
1: Uh, pretty good. A little hectic, but, uh, just trying to sort life out.
0: Yeah. Hectic has been kind of the modus operandi for the past two or so weeks. Really the mercerine kicked it off. And I'm not saying that I'm still busy because of that, but it's just other stuff has cropped up and it's just, I don't think I've had a day to like sit and do nothing in a minute. Um, and even when I did, I filled that up quickly and I, mm-hmm. so I haven't just done nothing in a while. And so I, I think I'm due one of those. I don't know when that's going to get to happen. Uh, looks like I've got a big lineup of stuff for a while, but that's, that's cool. I like being active. I like, uh, not having time to focus on the, um, you know, the infinite void that is existence. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if I can just forget about that and distract myself with painting tiny little miniatures, it's great. Um, I'm only really I'm going to skip a lot of the bits today, guys. This is this is going to be a big, big, long journey into, uh, you know, I. You, if you're a listener to this show, you know, I love D&D. That's how I block out the void. That is what I do to kill time. I love it. I love running the game. I love playing it. I love painting the miniatures. I love all of that stuff. But I have I'm I have a very obsessive personality and I have become infinitely fascinated with the stuff they don't want us to know about behind the scenes, and that's something I've wanted to talk about for a very long time. There's these things that happen that are kind of like stir up a lot of internet drama, and I have a you know a very developed take on these things. But then I've wanted to make videos or podcasts or whatever, but I end up not doing it or doing it and then scrapping the project or something like that. And then months pass, and it's not really a relevant thing to talk about. But oh lo and behold! The wizards of the coast gods that smile down upon us from on high. Oh, they delivered me a gift. And that gift is they officially announced a new edition of dungeons and dragons, which is big news. I heard a little bit about this. It is big news. Um, And this gives me an opportunity to kind of talk about my complex feelings about the current edition of dungeons and dragons and it moving forward a lot of that has more to do with like the, the business, the corporate dealings, the things that are going mm-hmm. on behind the scenes. And I get what's, what's funny is like, to me, this is infinitely fascinating. There's a lot of stuff going on with it. Um, no one is touching it. No one wants to talk about this. And I think the reason why is because a lot of these people that are like YouTubers or that make D content independently, I think they want somehow to keep the door open with Wizards of the Coast, I think that the the end goal for them is still a job, you know, with them, and um, so I think everyone's really trying to maintain, put on a happy face. No one wants to talk about the dark underbelly, and that you know, if there's one thing in this world that I'm here for, that I was put here for, is to shine a light on that dark underbelly, and that's what we're going to do here today. Um, Tanner, I know you're not the biggest Dungeons and Dragons nerd, which is why I think it's good that you're Mm. here because this conversation is going to get really, really dense. And I need someone who is not familiar with Dungeons and Dragons to snap me back into reality. Mm. Ask questions if you don't, if I talk about something that, you know, cut me off and I'll I'll back up and, and, and explain because... This is crazy. This might, I don't know how long this is going to be. It might be a two-parter. It might be a longer mm. episode. It might be, I might be totally overestimating it. It might be a really short episode because I just get it all out. But um, yeah, I guess we'll start at the beginning. And I don't mean the beginning of Dungeons and Dragons. That's, there's lots of good YouTube videos about the history of Dungeons and Dragons.
1: Well, can I ask a couple like upfront sure. questions? Sure. Yeah. Let's do that. Um, so I'm a little, I've dabbled in D and know what. I played. I think was fifth edition. Yes, and uh that's kind of like the current mainstay, Correct. if you
0: will. Yeah, the the current edition is fifth edition. Yes.
1: Um. So yeah, when did this fifth edition come out?
0: It came out. I, I know they started doing play tests in like I think early 2014. Okay, so it's newer than I thought. It's pretty new. It's, okay, it's um. Yeah, because yeah, it'll be 2014 because 2024 is when they announced that the new one's gonna gonna launch, and that's gonna mark both the 10 year anniversary of Fifth Edition and mm-hmm. the 50 year anniversary of Dungeons and Dragons as a whole. Damn. So, um, so it's that, that, that it would kind of be silly of them not to put out some kind of big product mm-hmm. at this time. But um, yeah, that's actually where where I was gonna start was the beginning of, of Fifth Edition. Did you have anything else? That you uh,
1: one more question, which you may answer in your diatribe here, is. Uh, Like I'm not super familiar with D&D's history, but I mean for sure, like with stuff like uh stranger things in the past couple of years, like D&D's had a resurgence in the past couple of years for sure. Absolutely. And so this corporatism or what have you that you're going to be discussing and if you're going to answer this later on, feel free to just say I'm going to answer this later on. Um but did this sort of corporate culture around D&D always so, Did wizards of the coast always
0: have their fist around the throat. So, no, and, and actually, that's so. That's a little. I'll do, I guess, a real quick rundown mm-hmm. of the the overall history of D anD. d But I'm not going to okay. spend a lot of time on it. So, D anD. d started as a personal project by a dude named Gary Guyg Gary Guygax Gary Guygax <laughs> and um, another guy named Dave Arneson. Basically, Guygax was into making war games. Uh, this guy, Dave Arneson, figured out a way to millit to instead of playing with a giant army you uh, zoom it in on a few mm. um troops and then add like fantasy elements and um Gygax loved that idea and you know worked with Dave I this is kind of tumultuous and it's it's hard to say there's again watch watch YouTube content on the history of D&D to get the full breakdown but basically um Gygax used this information and created D&D and then uh, started a business called uh TSR it's uh Tactical Strategic, I can't remember what it stands for. It's TSR. And um, eventually it it expanded, got super more popular. Uh, It kind of, he partnered up with other people and eventually got pushed out of his own company um, and almost run into the ground. The satanic panic happened. um, And uh, eventually, basically, TSR was going under. So they sold Mm. the entire IP off to Wizards of the Coast, wizards of the coast was a different company and they're the ones who uh, created magic the gathering the card game
1: yeah and i think they had pokemon too didn't they yes for a while
0: i don't know if they do anymore but they did for a while um and they were so they they were in a really good position to buy you know dungeons and dragons and so when they bought it that that was the beginning of what we what was called third edition um and then third edition was ran for a while they they um Upgraded it to what was called 3.5 after a few years. Kind of a as an excuse to sell the books again, mm-hmm. but B because over years of playing, people figured out things that kind of needed to be corrected with it. Mm-hmm. So they they made some edits, some errata, and republished it as 3.5. And that had several years of success. Um, eventually, though, like when a, when an edition is out too long, and there's too many books to collect, and there's too much stuff to to keep track of. Um, you usually start to see like, and usually a new edition really comes when there's like a dip in sales. Mm -hmm. When like the player's handbook, the main book you need to play the game, when it drops in sales, that's when they're like, let's do a new one. So people have to buy these books all over again. Um, Fourth edition came out right around the time that like um, MMOs were huge. Like everybody was playing World of Warcraft. Uh, D&D was actually losing a lot of its player base because Mm -hmm. MMOs were getting so hugely popular. And so they kind of redesigned D&D to play more like one of those games and that's people will debate on that. I didn't play fourth edition, so I might be wrong. That's just the impression I get from it Mm -hmm. uh, from what I've heard from people. So that's, that's the, the history by word of mouth, uh, so to speak of that. But eventually um, there were some change ups in the company and they actually did their own revised edition. They did, it was called the essentials um, for fourth edition, which was this kind of same thing where they did like a, a massive edit and rewrite rebalancing of certain things. Um, and then, uh, but that was kind of too late for that one. Cause that one was a big, a big failure. Uh, and, uh, they started play testing this thing called D and D next, which would become fifth edition. And it was more of a throwback to classic D and D. Um, they did a few things like there, there's, um, they put a focus on this thing called bounded accuracy, which makes like lower target numbers. So you're not stacking modifiers and having to hit like target numbers mm-hmm. of like 38 on a D 20, you know? So they they keep all the numbers lower and they instead of modifiers at all, they started a thing called uh advantage and disadvantage. And I don't know if they started it, but it's the first place I ever heard of it. And so instead of like saying, like, okay, uh, you're on a hill, so you get a plus two, you've got the high ground, but it's raining, so you get a minus one. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you're hidden, so that's another plus two, but they are also hidden, uh, they're mostly covered. They've got like partial cover so that's a a minus two so and you have to keep a track of all these different like Mm -hmm. mathematical things to know what your actual target number is at the end in fifth edition you just roll 2d 20 and keep the higher if you have the advantage in the situation if overall you have a disadvantage in the situation you roll 2d 20 and you keep the lower one it is elegant it is quick it is perfect and the whole system is kind of designed with that same sort of like streamlined mentality where they really didn't want you to have to keep up with You know, hundreds, hunt. You know, phone book sized tomes of of knowledge to run Mm. this game. They wanted you to be able to kind of make decisions on the fly. Um, I found this game a little late into it. I think around 2015 uh, when it had already been published, or maybe even been later. Maybe in 2000. I think it was 2016 when I when I first started playing it. Um, And I had started with another game called Shadowrun, um, and I I, it's because Shadowrun was the game I grew up on. That's the one I played when I was younger. And, um, I had very fond memories of it, but coming back to it and playing the newest edition of mm-hmm. that wasn't my t- cup of tea. Um, a couple things happened. I ended up reading over, let's check out the D and D books. I remember playing second edition and not liking it when I was in high school. So I was like, we'll see. And I found that it was just so streamlined, so easy. Like I was guessing what, how the rule was going to work before I finished reading the chapter mm-hmm. on it and getting it right. Most times, like it just clicked that well. It was like, that makes sense. I fell in love with that system and I ran it. Um, that is sort of the, I guess the quick rundown of D and D and my relationship with it up to starting where the story really kicks off and where where, we're really what I want to get into today.
1: Well, before you start, just to make sure I've got a clear breakdown of like the business of D and D in a nutshell from what you just said. Because I'd never thought about it like this. I just thought they were releasing these game books once in a while, and s- that was their main money maker. Is like they were basically
0: publishers of books. They, they essentially. So I actually skipped a major step too. I've, I'm I'm glad you stopped me. Um Before, like right after Wizards of the Coast bought D and D, you know, like, yeah. like we said, they had Magic the Gathering, they had Pokemon. There's these huge money makers. They themselves got bought out by Hasbro. Mm. So. Um, I think, th- I think third edition was released before the Hasbro, um, buyout, but I think fourth edition was a product of, of mm. Hasbro. I may be wrong. I may be wrong, but I think that's the way it works, but definitely fifth edition was under the Hasbro. Yeah. Umbrella. yeah. So that's, that's also an important part of this story. Okay.
1: And, uh, so how I kind of take the modern D and D business model is like, Hey, we're going to release, uh, fifth edition or whatever edition. We're basically rebooting the whole thing. So line up and start buying books. Each book is an adventure and like you've got your core book that tells you the rules and all that. But each book is kind of an adventure that you and your friends can go on. Pretty much. They run that into the ground. I don't know a hundred books deep or however far they go. And then, Hey, here's sixth edition. Start buying books again. And so that's what I gather is kind of
0: that's pretty the much model. it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And that's been the model going forward. And, and people always like. So I fifth fifth edition is so incredibly popular. Um, it it blew. It's fifth edition of D anD. D. You mentioned it early on, but it's it, D anD. D.'s reach this new sort of level of resurgence. And there's a number of reasons why stranger things is definitely one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's definitely in a, in the public eye more than it has been since the eighties. And Mm -hmm. um, one of the big, big things that really, really like they had record sales in 2020 because it's an easy Mm -hmm. game to play over zoom uh, remote. And so when everyone was locked down, a lot of people started trying D and D out. So that definitely, sort of repositioned D's importance to it was always important to wizards of the coast mm. but like also you know they've they they do not have pokemon anymore but magic's still like their big money maker mm. D was kind of this other thing you know it's this legacy title no one wants to sell the rights to that because you never know but it, no, it wasn't making a lot of money and then it exploded and it's now making so much money that big daddy hasbro has taken notice and there's D movies uh there's a movie in production actually i think production just wrapped on it if i'm not mistaken they're doing a tv show i think on amazon or something like that um there's definitely going to be a lot more you know licensing and and products and uh, merchandise and stuff out like that hasbro's involved so there's going to be toys um you know there's already like they they just released like a, a month or two ago like um D uh branded uh dragon fire nerf guns that are they're just they look like dragons. Sound like, dope. Yeah, they're they're you know it has nothing really to do with D itself, but yeah uh you know, nerf is fun. Nerf's cool. Sure. I'm not I'm not, you know, why not? You know, I, I have no problem with it. But uh <laughs> yeah, uh no, so yeah, uh really I guess did you have anything else that you're you curious of?
1: No, that was pretty much it. I just wanted to clear up a couple things for me and uh, maybe non D and D listeners.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So the, the, really the next stage of this and where it really gets interesting to me is when this product called D and D beyond gets announced. And I think it got announced. I think it was announced in 2016. Cause I think I had, I had just started really playing D and D at that time when it was announced and then it took a little while for the beta to come out and then the official launch, I think it officially launched in 2017 and this is all rough estimates around that time. Um, and what D and D beyond is, is a digital resource for the game. So instead of a real book, you have to flip through pages fi- where you have to look up rules. If you're, if you're unsure of a rule, you know, used to be, you had to pause the game. Someone would have to find the rule, read it, interpret it. And then the game could go on. Mm-hmm. And this in combat, which is already already a slow process of D and D combat, uh, it would really slow the game down to where like a single fight could be an entire four hour session, and that just it, you know, it, it was a problem. It was a problem. Yeah. So digitizing these rules is is a great idea. Uh, Wizards of the Coast tried to do it themselves for fourth edition, and it never quite worked out. And there's other reasons why it's a big thing. Again, there's other stuff out there on that. I'm not going to go into all that. They tried it before and failed. This time, though, a third party company approached them with a product idea and they decided they like the product idea. So they licensed the D&D IP out to this third party company Mm. to create this D&D Beyond app. That way, Wizards of the Coast can focus on cranking out material for the game. This other company can digitize it. This creates some problems Mm -hmm. because the game has already been out for a few years maybe it came out like 2014 we're in 2017 now um in order to use these books you have to have the the content unlocked in the uh, in the application in in the uh, platform now so it's got like drm on it not really because oh. when the books were released they weren't released with the intention of being digitized ah uh. so there's no serial number No, uh, I mean, there's an ISBN, but it's the same for every Mm -hmm. book. So it's not, there's no individual markings on these books. So if you bought the hardcover book, you could not cash it in on this site and use it. You had to buy it again. This was a big point of contention with a lot of people. But when you actually look at it, it makes sense. And they, I think they were as fair as they possibly could have been about it. Um, and they said they fought with because Wizards of the Coast wanted to say, no, just charge again, because there's other platforms that kind of do the same thing. But they offer more than what the books could. And, I, I, and I'd and i argue D&D Beyond does as well. Like there's a um, there's a a website called Roll20. Mm-hmm. And what Roll20 is, is it's like a digital map that everyone can share. So when you move a token everyone sees where you move the token and you can, yeah. there's a chat, you can do automated dice rolls. There's even preloaded character sheets. Uh, people have been, they've been releasing their books as digital assets in this thing. So you could just like, basically if I bought a, an adventure module, mm-hmm. um, I now have all the maps with all of like the lines drawn and all the, pr- all the prep work done, all the tokens are placed and out and I've got everything I need. I've got all the text right there. Um, it costs, in Roll20, the exact price of the print copy of the book. But you're also, like mm. I said, you're getting all these assets, these maps, these tokens. A lot of this extra work is done for you. D&D Beyond was just a character sheet and rules compendium. And it kind of does the same thing, but it was more streamlined. And, and, and basically, where it was brilliant, and it really, in my opinion, changed the whole game and made the game a, a bajillion times easier to run. Um, is now instead of having to stop and look up a rule on your sheet there's a little link like when you have like a spell and you forget what the spell does you can just click it and a little side panel opens and it has the exact text from the book Um, yeah
1: that's handy as fuck
0: yeah and so like you almost never have to stop and look stuff up it's it's Mm -hmm. fantastic it tracks your hit points it tracks all your stats um it is not perfect and it's still not perfect they haven't got every feature in the game implemented, but you have to think when you're dealing with a text to game that you just read text from a book, you don't really have to worry so much about rules overlapping with each other, but mm-hmm. when you're writing code, you really do. Mm-hmm. And so it's, they, it's this constant juggling of setting up these systems, getting everything caught up. And then D and D releases a new book with new systems that they didn't have to go in and reorganize the entire like mm-hmm. database from the ground up because of the new way stuff is calculated. Um, they like re- like, so there's in D and D your character has a job and that job is your class. That's what they call it. Like you're a fighter, a magic user, all those kinds of things. That's, that's kind of what your class is. And then there's subclasses. So you're, you're, if you're a fighter, there's different kinds of fighters. You can be, um, one of the most iconic, I guess the most, um, baseline default subclasses for the cleric who's like the holy priest typically the healer the white mage is is uh, you know if you're familiar with final fantasy yeah yeah, yeah. um they're the healer <clears throat> their their subclasses are called divine domains because that's the type of god they worship and life is the kind of default for clerics it is like uh, it's the free one you get in the basic rules um and that didn't work correctly on the digital sheet until like this year. So things are slow and there's all there's always things in development, new features they're going to add. Actually when it first launched, it was pretty lackluster. It was like you got these sort of web page layout versions of the books. They weren't like e-reader style and they weren't like PDFs. It was just a sort of a web page with all the text and you could click on stuff that interlinked and it was cool. And the sheet was really weird looking. They've, they've eventually updated the sheet to look more like what the paper sheet looks like. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot more slick and a lot more feature rich now than it was when it launched. But um, one thing they did to, I think make it okay for people who already own the books is there is a homebrew system where you can put in, your own stuff and keep it Mm -hmm. in your own private database. You can actually publish stuff you put in, but there's rules. It can't be anything from a book or a third party book. It can't be anyone else's property that you're giving out to the internet for free. But if you create like a magic item and you design it and write the rules for it, you can plug it into that system and share it. And other people can, can view it and use it in their game. But through this, if you kept it private, you could put anything you want in. So if you already own the book, instead of buying the book on dnd beyond you could just plug it into the homebrew and you've you've got all the stuff you know so it may you know to me it's like that that's fair that's a fair mm-hmm. way to do it like hey you know or if you want to basically at that point you're paying for them doing the work of plugging in all that data for you mm-hmm. but like once you do it once like say there's a spell that's in the book that's not included for free and also there's a lot included for free um fifth edition released what was called the basic rules which was like a free downloadable thing from the website where you could build like pretty basic but serviceable characters you can all the rules to level them up throughout the whole game you could run a full campaign and a and lot lots of like you know free spells and free monster stat blocks you could run a full game um, and then making up stuff to fill in the gaps with just these free rules those are free on the website if you go to the website you have all those spells you have all those monsters. So if you want to make a character that's outside of that, you can either plug it into the home or you can copy it Mm -hmm. from the book or you can also buy those things piecemeal. You don't have to buy the whole book. You can say, like, I just want this cleric subclass three dollars done. And that's, you know, you're going to play that character for like, you know, a year, maybe two or three sometimes Mm -hmm. for three bucks. That's not bad. Yeah. Um, Magic items are the same way. They're usually like two bucks each monster you you can subdivide and if you say like you buy like a a few things from one book right the book and also the book prices on dnd beyond are more comparable with their amazon price which is not the same as the bookstore price you go to a bookstore and you buy a physical book it's going to be 50 60 bucks mm-hmm. you go to amazon it's 20 to 30 um that's just how it is and so when you go to the um when you go to dnd beyond and you buy the book it's like 30 bucks mm-hmm. um but it also adds everything from that book into your database that you can then cross reference and use in different things. Um, but if you just buy one thing, say like you've got a $30 book and you buy like two subclasses, three monsters, you get $15 worth of stuff. That exact price is subtracted from the total cost of that book. If you were to buy it later, if you buy enough, okay. yeah, if you buy enough stuff that equals the cost of the book, you just get the book. They give you everything else. I think that's as fair as you can make it.
1: Yeah, that's pretty fucking fair.
0: And they're not allowed to come up with their own system to honor the books because it's not their property. It's Wizards of the Coast's property. So they have to do these sort of things where it's like, we don't know. You know, we, we have an obligation to our licensor, you know, the person who owns mm. the stuff that we're selling. We can't just give it away for free. Mm-hmm. Um, and this at the same token, like people are like, why don't the books come bundled with like a code to download stuff? Well, they do actually, they tried to make that happen. Uh, there's a few sealed box products. Like a, there's an essentials kit where if you buy that because it's a sealed box, there is a code and you get the, you get the, you know, the adventure for free on D and D beyond. And there's a, a coupon for uh 50% off of the player's handbook. So you get it for 15 bucks. Okay. So, But on a book that you can go uh, into a bookstore and open and read through, Mm -hmm. like if they did a scratch off, people would just do that in the store and scan it and then go home Mm -hmm. and plug it in or do it right there from their phone and cash it in. Mm -hmm. So there's not really a way to do it other than that. Mm -hmm. So I think it's fair. I've always thought it's fair. It got a lot of flack from other people. And this is actually the more important point that's going to really tie the whole story together. Another point people got really upset about is they would say that, well, if, if your whole collection is digital and it's all on this website and you can't like access it offline, which they've kind of corrected that now, although there's some caveats there, um, cause there's an app now and you can, you have to download stuff to your phone. So, but then apps, you know, how apps are mm-hmm. like, they don't, they're not reliable after a certain point, but so, so it's weird, but you can't access it all offline now. But so, oh, people were upset. They said that if uh, if it's all digital like that and it's all online, what happens when the servers go dark? You know, this stuff you've invested in, this stuff that, again, a campaign lasts a year at least, sometimes longer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, so if you're buying multiple campaign books, you're making an investment that you expect to last for years mm-hmm. on end, unless you're playing like multiple times a week, <laughs> you know, with different people. And like, I'm... I'm going to play this campaign on Mondays. this campaign on Tuesday. some people do, but I, I don't, I unfortunately don't have that much time in my life, but um, it got a lot of criticisms. A lot of people did not like it. A lot of people still don't like it. Anytime it comes up on Reddit, you're going to have people who support it vehemently and you're going to have people who hate it vehemently because they think it's, it's a ripoff. Why should I have to buy the books twice? That's always arguments. like, you're not buying the books twice. You're paying the, for the work it takes to maintain this website, mm-hmm. you know, but anyway, that's what DD beyond is um man this may actually not take as long well no we're 30 30 minutes in i didn't realize that all right so yeah this is a good uh halfway point i'm going to take a little break to sippy sip my drink this is our intermission Freshen up just want to say thanks to everybody who's made it this far (laughs) this is this is some real nerd shit, and it's about to get worse because we're we're about to get into the conspiracy part of it.
1: From a uh, non-D&D person, it's pretty interesting. So I think it's
0: fascinating. Yeah. I think this whole, especially once we start getting into like weird speculation mm-hmm. and hearsay and stuff. So an important thing to note about D&D Beyond is I feel like they've always operated in good faith. They started as a company that had there was a reason to to be dubious of them, to suspect them. Uh, because they were owned by a company called curse curse previously made their they were known for making like they didn't even make games they made game mods specifically world of warcraft mods mm-hmm. like if you if you play world of warcraft there's other little programs you can run that will do it'll help automate the game for you like uh, i remember i used to when i played there was like a, a compass that would point to where you go to for your next you know, mission or your next objective or whatever. So instead of having to find it and wander there on the map, you could actually just have a constant guide. It helped. It was nice. Um, they did stuff like that mm-hmm. and, and, and would make products like that. And it, they did, they were really good at it. It, it made, I think they, they, if they weren't the number one for that, they were up there. Um, one of the guys who worked there pitched this idea to his boss. He became the product lead who then pitched it to um, Watsi. They, signed up watsi by the way i should explain this watsi is wizards of the coast wotc the that everyone just says watsi because it's easier than saying wizards of the coast so if i ever say watsi that's what i mean so watsi decided that they liked it so they picked it up we already covered that this guy who was the product lead who, who was the original guy who pitched it he was kind of the face of this company and he would do weekly dev updates those dev updates still happen Uh, I watched the one today and we'll get into that one. But uh, basically it it was a point where they could talk about like the roadmap. They would say like, here is, you know, what, here's the new stuff out now that's since the last time we talked, here is the stuff we're working on. And here is our long-term kind of vision. And then um, sometimes there would be other weird things. They would do like skits or something, but that was rare. Usually it was just that. And then, you know, 30 minutes of all that stuff. And then 30 minutes of straight Q and a with the chat. And you get a lot of of behind the scenes information. It, uh, it was really cool. It was, they felt very transparent. I felt like I was giving my money to a business I believed in. I felt like it was a product that was good. I used it. I loved it. It was awesome. That being said, I mentioned slow development and there's been features that have been requested for a long time. Um, So the way that I mentioned roll 20 and that how they have their own integrated map system, that's inconvenient to use alongside something like Mm -hmm. D&D beyond because you've got two tabs running and it's just a lot of back and forth. Whereas roll 20 has their own integrated character sheets. Sometimes it's easier just to use that. Now, there are people who did third party stuff like did Chrome extensions or browser extensions in general that would load that data into roll 20. And that was super neat. That's still people still use that. Um, it's called beyond 20. It's cool. If you should check it out. Uh, maybe you may not want to after I'm done with this, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So he was very transparent and he, he gave a lot of people a lot of reassurance on things. He felt like he felt like our friend, you know, I, I could watch that. And also the, the, the lore was, they would give out the legendary bundle, which is the, bundle of everything they've released so far on the site. If you win that, you you know, and every time a new product comes out, that becomes more valuable. Mm-hmm. So it's, but they, they give them out every time. So if you win a legendary bundle, you now have access to everything unlocked on the site. Um, a lot of people wanted there to, th- th- this is another thing I wanted to bring up. A lot of people wanted there to be a subscription model. Um, I don't like that because I like the idea that if I buy it, I have it so same. Yeah. You know, a book costs $30, but if I'm paying, you know, five dollars a month or however many dollars a month for everything Mm -hmm. and there is a subscription i should talk about that too but um if i if i'm paying like you know however much for access to everything well a i'm not going to use everything and you know after so many months it's more expensive than if i had bought what i am using individually so i'd rather i like the system as it is Mm -hmm. especially with the piecemeal aspect if i want to make a character i might spend 10 bucks and that's a character I get to enjoy for the next year. You know, um, they do have a s- subscription model that's a little different. Um, they have the cheap one called the hero tier. And if you pay for that, you have unlimited character slots. The free version, you only have five or six. I think they expanded it during the pandemic. And I don't know if they've ever dialed it back down. It might be as many as 10 or 12 now. I don't know. But the free one is limited and you see ads for products, usually other d d products. If you pay for the heroic tier, the heroic tier, <laughs> the heroic tier, it's, it's essentially the player tier. You get unlimited character slots and you don't see ads anymore. Um, there is the, um, oh, I, wanna, I think I want to say it's, I, th- I th- think it might be the mythic tier, but I think I might be thinking of the hero quest Kickstarter, but there's a higher tier. This is essentially the game master tier. If you pay for this, you get the same unlimited character slots, same, no ads, You also get the ability to share the content that you have bought with everyone else who is in a campaign that you have joined that you've created. So like you can create these campaigns, these other accounts can link to them and you can share your content so that so this makes it so that everyone doesn't have to buy the player's handbook. Mm. One person can have it. And if content sharing is on, everyone now has it. I don't see how people say this is a fucking ripoff, you know, when you when you really think about it. But whatever, um, I I pay for that because my attitude is, you know, my players bring me snacks and stuff. They, you know, they bring beers. They're paying me to play D anD D, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if I were to, if they were giving me money and I were to take that money and put spend it on, you know, break it down per session, it's like three or four bucks. I don't, I don't, I haven't. It's been a long time since I've done the math but it's, it's not much, much money per session. It's really, it's really not that bad. Um, I pay for, I just go ahead and pay for the whole year on the front end. I may not be doing that anymore, but we'll get to that. Um, so Adam was the main guy. He did the dev update. There was a, like a social media manager who was like in charge of all the message boards and and like did all ran all the chats and stuff. Uh, she was a really nice lady. And then there was another guy named Todd Kenrick who's, who is still doing YouTube. Now he did these sort of like weird D and um, like documentary style interviews that he put on YouTube where he talked to the developers and stuff. Very cool stuff. D and D beyond just hired him outright. And he was basically putting out all the video content for them uh, during his tenure. Um, all three became beloved figures in the community that you'd see them on other streams that other people, mm-hmm. you know, interacting with third party you know, products and interacting with uh, D D proper in their events, things like that. Um, early this year, very abruptly, um, and I didn't realize it at the time. Oh, oh, I am sorry, I'm skipping a step. I they were all over the place. I don't. I didn't make notes for this because it's just a rant. It's a crazy. Like I have a board with like fucking yarn going from different pens, but um, so at some point i know where i got lost i was talking about the history of curse the company that started dnd beyond so curse was owned by twitch they got bought out by mm. twitch this was before dnd beyond was even founded twitch is owned by amazon dun 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 so there's reason to think that they might not have been that great of a company but adam bradford the guy who basically started it was really good at reassuring people. The whole, the whole front facing staff, the people that were putting out video content and appearing on camera and speaking on behalf of it, they were really good at interaction, uh, keeping things as uh, transparent as possible, but not, you know, that's one thing they never were fully transparent. Mm -hmm. They never give projected dates and they always are very vague. And that's, that comes down from the top. That's Watsy. That is not them. Um, but they also said they don't want to give out dates because they don't want to make promises that they like when you're developing software, you never know what what kind of new things are going to pop up. So it's better to not put it's better to have it done and then say it, you know, announce, hey, next week, this is coming out or just surprise everybody like now you can do this, you know. Um, and then also, you know, there's all this back end development and they're also like having to publish, you know plug in these new books that as they're coming out so they're while they're catching up they're also having to make sure new stuff mm-hmm. is out and available and ready to purchase on the day it comes out so it was a, it was a bit heavy but um i think it became too much uh or or whatever I, I, curse i don't know if they went under or whatever but uh they got bought out by uh another company known as fandom fandom has a little bit more of a profile now fandom used to be wikia Mm. like the wiki uh where you would see all these different fan wikis but now it's fandom you know, you there's like all these like star wars.fandom.com yeah. or fan stuff it's that site they own dnd beyond now um we were we were all told this hey good things are coming this is great you know we were a, a very small fish in a very big pond before now we are a much larger fish in a much smaller pond it's going to be better overall um That act, I don't remember. I can't give a time on when that happened, but it was, I want to say it was 2019, maybe Uh, 2020 goes through for the most part. We get the announcement early 2021 that Adam Bradford, uh, Lauren urban, the, uh, the community manager, and then Todd Kenrick are all leaving the company at the same time. Mm. Everyone swears it's a coincidence. They all just happen to get really good offers. But I, I, it didn't occur to me at the time. I later looked at it and realized this came, announcement came. I want to say it was a week, maybe two weeks after the latest Hasbro share, or it was either. Yeah, it was. I think it was the Hasbro shareholders meeting, and then they all leave. You know, it's early this year. Looks like a turd. Smells like a turd. They get new faces to replace them. One, the the new community manager seems like a sweetheart. She has been on the boards forever. I have been in the message boards because like, again, I'm obsessed with all this shit. So I, I've been on their message boards for a while. I'm an easy guy to find if you know my other projects. Um, but she's been on there as like a moderator forever. And she got promoted up to community manager. Seems like a sweetheart got no beef with her. Um, There's like another content manager person who's also seems like a really, she's got like a really huge smile and she's always smiling all the time. It's really infectious. Cool. Seems like a great person. No, No beef there. Um, the front face sort of guy, and he says he doesn't want to be a face forever. He really wants to do background stuff, but in the meantime, he's the on camera guy. Um, He's uh, his name is Joe star. He, which is if you're an anime fan, that's hilarious, but I'm sure he's tired of hearing that Uh, also seems like a really cool guy. No beef with him, except he is now the main spokesperson and he is not actually in charge of making decisions. They have taken that role. There's now no one with real power. That's front facing Mm -hmm. these dev updates, which are now hosted by really the, usually it's Joe and, and, the one girl, sometimes the third girl comes in and it rotates it's depending on availability, but, uh, they're a lot more curated. Now they do bring more of their backend devs on camera and let them kind of explain their perspective, which is nice, but you don't get the sea of questions anymore. It's very like, this is what this one episode is focused on. So we're only going to answer the questions that, uh, come up. Um, And it's not as good. I'm just going to say that it's not as good. I don't like it as much as I liked it when it felt more like when it felt less produced and it doesn't feel like super overproduced now, but it does feel like there's all the questions get vetted and they're curated instead of just like, we're going to let people throw stuff at us and see what happens. And I may be wrong about that. Or I may have, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, yeah. All right. 45 minutes. We're getting, we're getting into some (laughs) dirt now. Um, earlier this year, you know, so, so that happens. And then the new team comes in, the transition seems fine. Everything seems fine. Maybe it was just a coincidence. Maybe, maybe they did, you know, cause they did all go to different places, you know, so it, maybe it was, but we get another uh, weird, weird thing that happens really fucking weird thing that happens. So the next thing that happens later on earlier this year, I think this is around June, when this happened, because I looked up some stuff and I've got some stuff pulled up that actually, cause as we get closer, I'm, I'm way more prepared to talk about this. Um, June, there is wizards of the coast release releases these surveys every so often where they ask the user base, Hey, fill this out. Tell us how you feel about Dungeons and Dragons. We'll use it to make changes within the company, blah, 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 or not within the product, not necessarily the company, but I mean, Hey, so anyway, uh, I didn't actually fill out this one. I heard it was really long. Um, but then when people were filling it out, they said that there were a lot of weird questions about digital products. And there were, um, and then certain people reported and it was enough to to take it seriously. The video itself never leaked, but certain people said that after taking the survey, they were given a weird prompt. Like it was like an NDA almost like saying like, Hey, do you agree to watch some very top secret stuff, and you promise not to repost it or talk about what you've seen here? Uh, you know, failure to do so could result in fines. Blah 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 blah. People click I agree. They watch it. Also, that's not a real NDA. They can't enforce that. That's just just so everybody knows. That's bullshit and very sketchy and weird that that would they would put that. The video shows a in-house app that does kind of the same thing D and D Beyond does, but it's definitely made by Wizards of the Coast. Mm-hmm. And word of this spreads and almost no one talks about it. There's a few threads and a few subreddits that bring it up. Most people dismiss it because no one's, you know, the video is not out there. Enough people are saying they've seen it and verify it, but the video is not out there. This is where shit gets starts to get sketchy in my mind. This is where my doubts first arise. You know, the, everyone leaving it in the first all at once, that was kind of an omen. This is actually, and this is a few, uh, you know, a couple months later, this feels fishy because what happens to like, you know, I've put money into D&D Beyond. I bought several books on that service. I bought, you know, what happens when we, the, the, the question of what's going to happen when a new edition comes out has long been discussed. Uh, D&D Beyond' stance is they would love to support a new edition. Um, that's always been their take They They said, we've got a good relationship. We assume that we'll get that opportunity. Uh, but you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there kind of, kind of as, as they would being a third party. Um, my assumption was even if they don't, they'll get to stay live and support fifth edition. And you know, some people never move on to a new dish edition. There's people who still play first edition dungeons, dungeons and drag. There's still people who play first edition dungeons and dragons to this day, because that's just the one they prefer. Mm-hmm. They've already got all the books. What do they need to buy new books and re- restart it again? That game still works. It's just words on a page, you know um, you can always play it. And so, you know, I, I kind of assume that with this, I was like, you know, people would say, look, what happens when the servers go down? I'm like, well, you know, think about video games, right? Video games, servers stay up long by the time they get shut down. It's a bummer to a handful of people. Mm. So by the time the D beyond servers will likely go down, we will probably be playing eighth edition or something. Mm -hmm. And a few of us will care. And I'm sure it'll be such a few that they will make it right to those people and be like, all right, here's some PDFs or whatever of these books you paid for. Have fun. Thanks for the memories. Sayonara, you know, Mm -hmm. but you know, this, this, this was weird to me. And it was more weird. Again, the radio silence across the board, no one, none of the YouTubers like brought it up or, or talked about. It. I think maybe nerd immersion might have, he's like the most D and D news kind of guy, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't, I kind of think he glossed over it too. Um, the best, the one thing that really kind of stuck out to me was the stuff I saw on Reddit and it's in a certain subreddit. I don't want to say it cause I don't want people to go find it. Cause there are names that you can find. Um, it's from a while ago, so you'd have to do some digging and maybe some of you will. I don't, if anyone even cares and is listening to this at this point. Um, There was a post and it wasn't deleted when I first saw it, but it's definitely deleted account now. So that's fishy, but it says, so an anonymous source told me that WotC is making an online tabletop slash character sheet subscription service with both PC and mobile apps was described as similar to D and D beyond slash roll 20, but much better now grain of salt territory. This is hearsay an anonymous source told me and from a now deleted account. So great. Very, very grain of salt stuff. Uh, but still, I think, worthy of discussion and you don't see any chatter. Uh, but you go down a few uh, more comments. There's a lot of people saying there's no way because this whole discussion is about that video. Um, but then you get one guy who says it is very far in the works underneath. Uh, oh, no. Someone else says there's no way Wizards released their own D&D Beyond. D&D. Beyond it is official and too much integrated in culture. Plus it's performance. Okay. Whatever. Uh, Performance is arguable. But anyway, this guy says it's very far in the works. And then some says, what's the source. And then the guy says, and his, this guy's account's still going. And that's why I don't want to really call it out too much. But he says, you wouldn't believe me anyway, but my best friend works at Watsi in the magic, the gathering arena division, but he gets company memos and gets to demo D and D things. He told me of Van Richten's, which is one of the last books mm-hmm. that came out. He said he told me of that last year before it was announced, along with the fact that they're basically making their own D&D Beyond slash Roll20. I believe that to be why Todd and the others are leaving D&D Beyond as they see it dying off. Mm. Now that we know the timeline of when, that they, when they left it makes more sense that this, this all was stuff that was told, talked about in that shareholders meeting. Yeah, yeah and because these decisions get made behind the scenes way before Mm -hmm. they ever get mentioned to the public right But anyway this was back in june i thought about like making a stink about it you know somewhere online but you know again it was just these little little brief comments here and there that's literally all you're gonna see about that kind of shit throughout the whole internet talked about this at all Um, other than you know like i said there's a whole thread about that video but like you know, it just seems weird. And it seems like, well, what's going to happen to my, which really is an investment. What's going to happen to my investment.
1: Now, from a product standpoint, this seems because outside of being a massive corporation that makes their money on the imaginations and uh, nostalgia of adults, childhood, um, Hasbro makes some good shit. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm a customer of theirs. I buy products of theirs. They make some good shit. Um, from a someone that does not have assets currently in D&D Beyond. And if I were going to be getting into D&D, this seems like a win-win. I mean, it makes sense to me why Hasbro would want their own and just vertically integrate that shit. But also as a fan, they've got the money to, they've seen that it works. Right. And they've got the money to throw at it and make a really bang up product.
0: And not have to pay someone else out. Yeah. Not, not um, have less less slices of the pie. Well, that's that that brings us back to current day. This past okay. weekend where d d held their um, semi-annual d celebration live mm-hmm. event. They used to be these big to-dos where they'd have like a bunch of celebrities in their studio. Some studios set up and they'd play live games. In the past couple years, they do them all remote it's easier that way and you get bigger names that way they did one like the last one earlier this year had like a table that had like kevin smith and jack black and um reggie watts all at the same table i was like that's fucking cool yeah um but uh although that game kind of sucked to watch kevin i would never play D with kevin smith he's he seems fucking miserable to play with just wants the attention the whole time doesn't give a fuck derailing everything uh reggie watts and jack black seemed awesome though but anyway and i'm a kevin smith fan that just I wouldn't play d and d with the guy after that. Um, but yeah no um they announced they officially announced they're doing what they call the, the term they use is the next evolution in d- Dungeons and Dragons means a new edition, but it might be one of these like 5.5. They did say it would be backwards compatible with fifth edition. So if you have a fifth edition character, you can play it with the new rules and everything. All the numbers will click together. You'll be fine, Mm. but it'll be slight modifications on things. Um, There will probably be new features and updated features like like a lot of people don't like the way the Ranger class works in fifth edition. Five point five will probably give you a new version of a Ranger class you can use. But if they're doing their own app, why would they share that? You know, D&D Beyond was the official app of. Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition. Well, this is no longer Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. So it just it seems like that and, and, and you know, I prepared this, I prepared I prepared to be really upset because I expected radio silence. Because here's the thing. If D Beyond is about to become a basically obsolete product or a secondary market product, I think they have a responsibility to let their customers know. Because a campaign takes years to finish sometimes mm-hmm. you're buying when you buy a, a campaign module, an adventure book, you are investing in at least a year of time. if i buy if they let me buy ten years' worth of mm-hmm. adventures from them, and then without any sort of warning that, hey, you better play these by this date, that's kind of that's kind of seems a little unethical mm-hmm. to me. And it may not be them. It may be that their hands are tied, that they can't say it. But I think Wiz- Wizards of the Coast should be more upfront. I think I think they should be like, "Hey, look, we got our own shit in the in the in the pot. If you want to buy stuff from them, buy it before this date, mm-hmm. you know." And that sucks for D and Beyond. I don't want that to happen to D and Beyond. In fact, if Wizards did that, I probably wouldn't buy into the new edition. Mm-hmm. I probably I've got so many other games I've been wanting to make time for. That's what would happen. Is I'd be like, mm-hmm. okay, I've got all my fifth edition books. I can play that whenever. Um, but I don't know. I've I, you know, so I've been kinda upset about this for the past couple of days, probably more than I really should be, you know, if I'm being honest. Because ultimately it's not gonna ruin my life, but mm. it's just something that it's it's fascinating. The fact that it's it's been on this train of originally these people are like, what if it goes away? And I'm like, you guys are dumb. And now I'm like, Oh shit, it looks like it might go away. Um today was their dev update. I posted a thing on their their forums or yeah, on their, you know, message boards yesterday. And a lot of people have been treating me basically like I'm silly to even have that concern. But some people are like, nope, I agree. I think this is, I, I want I want answers, you know? And it's like, look, they don't owe you an explanation. It's like, well, they don't owe me shit. I gave them mm-hmm. money for a product. They gave me the product. They could just be like, you bought what you bought, get lost sucker, you know? Yeah. But, but, uh, I think that they don't have a history of being that way. And I think it's, it's really good faith of them to say something so today on the dev update i think largely due to my post <laughs> maybe they've from other social media they've been getting it elsewhere but um again this is not something i see talked about a lot so i feel mm. like i'm maybe the one breaking ice here um they and and i planned i was like i'm gonna watch it they let, they let you submit questions i didn't expect my question to get through but i did go ahead as soon as they opened up i had it typed mm. out and just hit send and then um during the breakdown, he goes, Hey, over what was said at the live event, we're getting a lot of questions about what's in the future. And unfortunately it's a non-answer. I can't say anything, you know, and that's kind of what I expected, but I do appreciate the fact that it got addressed. Mm -hmm. Um, I do appreciate the fact that they acknowledged it because I feel like if they just pretended it wasn't happening, that was an omen of doom. Mm -hmm. But the fact that, they uh, they acknowledge it. I think they are trying to do right by their customers as best they can. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, being at the whim of Watsi because they're selling Watsy's stuff. Like they can't they can't you know hold too much control over it, especially if Watsy's just doing their own version of that product. Well, they have to do right by the fan. It's one of
1: the weird and few products that like they have to keep their fan base happy because. I mean, I guess other products do, do this. I mean, like looking at star Wars movies, for example, like I guess, but, um, if they piss off their fan base, their fan base at the end of the day can just say, Hey, well, you know what? Fuck all. I'm going to stick with fifth edition and my books and, uh, what me and my friends know, that's what we're going to fucking play and fuck all
0: your shenanigans Hasbro to be, to be Fully clear d d Beyond is the one That's always shown Good faith to their Customer yeah. base Watsy's kind of You know they're, Okay They're corporate as Fuck these days Um So they, They've got a lot of Issues And, I, and there, I could do a Whole nother episode On like Controversies At Watsy. Yeah Um But uh no my my theory is this and this is what i think is happening um oh i do want to say also um my question was the first one that got answered on on today so like they not only did they address it separately but then it came back around and i will say joe star the host um said like i can't talk about what's happening but i am excited about what the future holds Mm -hmm. and so this is my guess of what's happening i do think they're going to get I don't think they're going to get the same contract that they've had. They've had what's called. I think it's called like a preferred vendor. Um, There's a guy named taking 20 on YouTube who does a really good video about how that whole like business model set up. And Mm -hmm. and he doesn't know, you know, the contracts are never public. So we don't know, but he has um, a lot of experience working in supply chains. And so he kind of explains that process, like how Nike works and Mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, They're probably not going to tell. DD beyond they have to shut down but i reckon they're going to end their what's called the open game license which allows third-party people to make content Mm -hmm. and use a certain amount of their rules to make content for their game and sell it on their own um there's like a amount you're allowed to use for free and you can reference certain things and then there's other things you're like nope you got to get the license if you want to use that um i think they're going to end that i think they're like if you want it you got to get it from the source now um i think they're going to continue to allow the open gaming license to exist for fifth edition just not this evolution edition is what i'm thinking of like th- i'm calling it ev in my head because it just like you know dnd ev i guess um but they're not there I, I think they're gonna make it a subscription service because they actually can do that now mm-hmm. um and it, like i said it's more money for them in the long run why wouldn't they want to do that and they're saying and, th- and that'll that'll also buy people over from dnd beyond we're like hey you've got these books you've invested in they'll still be there. We're not shutting down that site, but if you want the new stuff and you'll get access to all that old stuff, pay us 10 bucks a month or whatever. You know, I think Mm -hmm. that's what they're going to do. Um, I think that they'll allow D and D beyond to exist. You'll still be able to make a fifth edition character. And because this is a backwards compatible thing, you can take your D and D beyond character and go sit at a table with people running the new edition and keep up. Um, but you won't be able to use any of those new features Mm -hmm. until you cut the cord and jump, jump onto the new ship. Mm -hmm. So I think that's how it's going to work. And I think they're not, I think you're right. There's going to be some people who are going to say, fuck it. And they're going to get pissed off and they're going to turn their back on D and D. I will probably be one of those people if this is what plays out. But I think that uh, what they're banking on is sort of the, I, I compare it to like in, in heavy metal music, right? Bands who tend to be, exceptionally popular heavy metal bands will eventually start to soften their sound Mm. and start playing more of a hard rock Mm. and the fan base gets upset and says that you turned your back on the people who got you here fuck you but because they're now hard rock and they get radio play and they play on bigger shows festivals and things like that on tv all that stuff their fan base has exponentially grown and so they don't give a fuck about the few thousand they lost selling out, they're now sold out and they've got millions of fans. Maroon Five. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't remember their metal days, but
1: they weren't metal, but it was the same sort of thing where like their first album was like this
0: like Yeah, they were they were more like alt rock when they started. Yeah. And then now they're just yeah. kind of straight pop rock, right?
1: Yeah. It's just straight up poppy rock, like
0: Yeah. I mean there's a billion stories about that kind of thing happening. But um I think that D now because of that explosion of popularity again largely due to D beyond existing making it easy to play online mm-hmm. um you know that's allowing now they've got a movie deal they've got you know it's t- at least one tv show maybe more I- my guess is they're going to do like an adult live action show and they'll probably do like a more childy you know adventure time or something style one for kids or something straight
1: up like a black mirror each episode's a little different.
0: They could do that. Um, is people with tend like, to like medieval
1: w- fantasy, or give us each season like a, a American Horror Story or yeah, something.
0: People know? really like long drawn out D and D stories, so I, I think they're really going to lean into mm-hmm. that with the TV show. But I bet the movies might be more mm-hmm. more uh, pocket sort of stuff. We'll mm-hmm. see. It depends on what makes money. Um, but uh, I think they're banking on the fact that I think they they don't think that their boom is done yet, and I think they think that they can afford to lose a few pissed off people who blew money on D mm-hmm. and D beyond and you know, it sucks. I'm, I'm I D and D was my favorite thing for a while. And now it's mm-hmm. like role-playing games are my favorite thing. So it's, it's, it's sort of, they, they metallic it on me, mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: but well, and it's something we gripe about a little more on in chaos, but uh, like corporations don't give a fuck anymore. It's like, I know so many Nintendo fans, which this is why I quit buying Nintendo's products had a Wii. That was the last one I had. I think they make great games. Do I want to buy those games? Uh, every single time, those same games, every time a new console comes out, like Nintendo tested like a, like, Hey, if you're part of the Nintendo play club or whatever it is, you can play super Mario Kart on the SNES or super Mario world from, you can play it forever. But I think that went under and it's like, yeah, I bought some old retro games, Super Mario games on the Wii that didn't carry over to Wii U, which is one of the reasons I didn't buy the Wii U or the, uh, the one after that, like the one that's out now, the switch. And it's like, what's the point? Like, so I get where the fans come from. It's like, how many times you want me to buy this shit?
0: Well, that's why I've really started to get into the indie scene more and like mm-hmm. what's what's really called like the OSR scene, the old school renaissance where it's new games that take old design concepts and then rewrite mm-hmm. them with newer sort of terminology and mm-hmm. and like really organization because a lot of those early games were a mess. But like, you know, you played mothership with me. Yeah, yeah. that game is a the, the books are stacked over there. They're a little like, you know, um, digest size magazines. They're not even like books. And they cost like, you know, each book is like 15 bucks. And, you know, it's it's very rules light. You don't need to reference tomes of, of information. It gives you everything you need to run, you know, hours and hours and hours of stuff i've got you know uh merc which is the yellow book right there we, we played that that's how you pronounce that merc borg. borg i think i'm getting that right i thought not. it was Morkborg. it looks like mork borg, <laughs> but it's i think they're from sweden so it's medical it means dark fort but uh it's super <coughs> duper rules light but it's you know we played it it's fun um so you don't need like that i think that's the thing is like tying yourself down to these digital assets while they're super convenient for the chunkier games with a lot more going on. They're very, they almost mystify the game. Like it's like you think about it like this, like back when I was growing up in the, in the early eighties, if an appliance broke, we knew someone who could fix it. Like if your washer or dryer broke or your TV broke, we knew someone would fix it. Now (laughs) my TV breaks, guess we're throwing that away and we're going to go buy another one like because it's just a it's the cost of getting a tv repaired is is almost as much mm-hmm. as buying a new tv and you might as well upgrade while you're at it um and then b who who knows how to fix tvs anymore you know there might be a guy in the area but like it used to be you know that was a part of every like you know neighborhood mm-hmm. was your appliance repair man who knew a lot of stuff Um, and and you see the same thing in the digitization of these rules where a lot of people, they they become familiar enough to play the game and they can use the sheet and and navigate the sheet, but they don't know why their numbers are what they are. They don't know why their stats are what they are. Mm -hmm. They just know that's what it is. And that's what I want it to be like. They don't, they don't understand how it's all calculated. Whereas when you do it on, on paper, you learn that. And by learning that you learn more of how the game works and you're able to jive with it better. And so I think there's almost like The same way you were saying that you don't want like, you know, a new Wii to have to buy the same game again. Well, you know, a lot lot of people collect cartridges. Now, cartridges actually have gone way up in value over the past few years. But oh, yeah. But, you know, these books, as long as I don't, you know, they don't get damaged. They'll last forever. We can play well and, you know, off of one little book like uh, Merc Borges, we can play it. You know, I can I can invent new shit for it all the time, Mm. which is what D&D encourages you to do anyway. So that is pretty much, I think going to cover it. I think I I got everything out that I wanted to say. It's like I said, it was a big journey and it was a big nerdy journey, but I think the whole thing's been pretty fascinating. Um, I'm curious to see what happens. Um, Do you have any final questions?
1: No, man, you covered it. And like, uh, It was actually pretty interesting, to be honest. Yeah, Yeah.
0: you know, like I said, it's 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 business and finance, Mm -hmm. which is like 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 kind of like you mentioned is is pretty close to the other show. But Mm -hmm. it's I don't know that we could dedicate an hour to this on the other
1: show. Well, and it's just like it's at the end of the day, it's the commodification of fun. At the end of the day, and that's what Hasbro does: is they repackage our nostalgia, our childhood. Um it's becoming more and more apparent that like, I I don't know how their corporate structure is, but they've got like some division that's like adult toys now and not in the sexual sense, but like like, collectibles. Yeah. And, and not even collectibles. Like, I mean, we all remember we had an uncle or something that had like model planes or something on a shelf, not like that, but like actual, like these are posable action figure collectibles for adults. And so for a company that just keeps repackaging that and for you to say that they're trying to like suck it all in and cut the third party support and all that, that's exactly what Star Wars did. Mm -hmm. I just find it strange with D&D though, uh, which I was trying to touch on this a little before, I, I just didn't quite know how to phrase it, is they're one of the few businesses or not even businesses or and not Hasbro, but D&D exclusively is one of the few things that's like been around so long. And there's so many versions of it that are analog, so to speak. I mean, literally not even so to speak, but literally is that if they piss off their fans, like, sure. Yeah. It may uh, be like what you were talking about, like. Uh, a metal band like yeah, they, playing softer shit, but I they
0: think they're going to have a net gain is what I think is, is yeah. what
1: they're calculating, what they're banking on. I just, I feel it's like if you alienate your fans, which you're walking such a tight rope with D and D I feel if you alienate those fans and piss them off, they'll keep playing your game, but they're not going to play any new shit
0: well, you can always so, and
1: you're not going to get a dime out of them unless they're playing the new shit where like Star Wars for example, like not even talking about the toys, but like just the movies. And not trying to directly compare it to Star Wars just saying like as far as fandoms and shit go is I don't know, say they put out a movie that, that pissed off fans, which they did. They're going to put out another one. People are still going to go see it. And it's like yeah, you may alienate half the fans, but half are going to stick with you where this is like, if you're directly affecting how they are consuming your product by changing the product. Well, and I don't know. That's interesting to me.
0: Well, it's kind of it's kind of a Disney plus situation, I think, where it's like, you know, prior to Disney plus all of the content that's now collected Mm -hmm. under Disney plus was spread out across multiple Mm -hmm. platforms. You'd get some Marvel content on Netflix. You'd get like some other Marvel content on Hulu, you know, things like that. And then they start Disney plus, Um, you know, they still have to wait for some contracts to run out. Mm -hmm. So for for a while, you can still watch these things on these other platforms, but um, eventually they all get folded under the same umbrella. And I think that's what we'll see is I think it's, you know it's going to be friendly and like oh no we're we're this this is an atmosphere to help each other like i almost i almost bet that they're i mean my best case scenario is that that i'm freaking out over nothing and they're working with be mm-hmm. beyond on these new tools that and it's going to be like you know maybe different like pricing structures whereas like with D beyond you can you know we, we are going to support the new edition but you know it's going to work the way it has where you buy content outright. But if you go to the Hasbro version, it's a subscription base and they do that and it's a different app, but even maybe say like their app team and our app team are working together. So you can join the same campaigns. And you know, maybe that would be the case of what's happening. And that would be cool. I would, I would be, I would be like, okay, you did the fans, right? You, you don't make me feel like the money I've put into your product over the past, you know, however many years is now like, you know, a digital brick off mm-hmm. in the, the digital ether now. Um, and like I said, I don't think it's going away. I think they'll keep the site up for a while, but like the fact that if it was a whole new edition, even if it was just like mm-hmm. non backwards compatible, just sixth edition of dungeons and dragons, I would be more cool with that. than saying like, we're not going to carry it over into D and D beyond, but the fifth edition stuff will stay. That'd be fine. I'd be like, okay, cool. I've got D and D beyond. I've got D and D fifth edition, as long as the sites are going and people are using it and playing it, I'm happy, you know? Mm. Um, But the fact that this is a, like a sort of a 5.5 is kind of what a lot of the internet's calling it. Um, All they really said is it's the next evolution. So we don't know what that means. Mm. I don't think they're going to call it 5.5. I think the 3.5 was the end of that. And then, like I said, for the, you know, fourth edition that was the essentials line. And so this will be something like that. Like maybe like it's the 50th anniversary. So they'll call it the gold edition or something like that. You know, so something like that. Uh so you'll play D gold. And if if that if 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 you the only way to play that is to you know drink from their well, you know, which you're already double dipping because they they make the product and they get to sell it, you know, in the first place, but then not give that to their partners. To help them get there. That I'll feel really betrayed. I'll feel like they fucking sold out, even though I mean, they've sold out a long time ago. But
1: well, it kind of sounds like they're trying to take DD into more of a realm of like
0: they want it to what, be a lifestyle brand, the same way like Star Wars is a lifestyle brand, now. that
1: but also trying to create game assets that are not dissimilar to like Fortnite assets is what it seems like
0: no they've always there's always been like plug that's whatever like yeah so there's two types of books you can get there's adventure books and there's splat books um and then there's the core the core book is the main game rules the adventure books are like things you can do and go on adventures and like story hooks um splat books are new rules and, add, mm-hmm. and add-ons like dlc is essentially mm-hmm. the way to think of it like um you know, there's a book called Xanathar's guide to everything for fifth edition, and it's got new subclasses and I think a couple new races and new rules for traps and things like that. So Mm -hmm. you get that stuff too. Um, And usually you can tell about the end of an edition when there is a compendium book that comes out. That's like, Hey, let's just put it all together for people who didn't buy all these other books to now, you know, get it all in one place. And sure enough, they did announce they're doing, a book that's got like all of the monster stat blocks from basically all of the adventures and other books that they've put out. And then, uh, that aren't in the monster manual, which is the main monster book. And then it's also going to have all the extra races and it's all just mm-hmm. collected together. And it's like, and they also said like these will more reflect the changes that are coming in five, five. So, or 5.5. 5. So what, well, you know, I, it's it, you, at this point, it's all speculation. It just looks, it looks real bad. It looks real bad if you're a fan, if you're in. Like I said, I consider myself an investor, you know, because you you spend money on things that you anticipate will last you a long time. Mm -hmm. And when you find out that you're going to get cheated out Mm -hmm. of it before you even get to use it. And I may not, but it feels like that. It feels like they're like without some real reassurance, which I feel like I got a taste of today when the, the guy said he was excited but oh, so what I think is going to happen is once D&D Beyond, if they're no longer a preferred partner, that will free them up to do other things like mm-hmm. they've previously not been allowed to host like third party content like the, some of this other stuff that people have written under the open gaming license. I think that'll open up and they'll get to sell that stuff now. So that's good for them. That's more, you know, storefront things, more merchandise that they can move that again, if, if the new edition is backwards compatible, it's stuff you can use you just can't use it with the official 5.5 stuff like that's the that's the thing that sucks like you can't mix that in unless you do, do it over there but i don't know but then maybe they'll even be able to like digitize some other games and do like mm-hmm. we're gonna do like a Mercaborg beyond <laughs> you know, or something like that um that'd be cool that probably wouldn't take long if somebody wanted to do something like that i'm not a programmer but you know um, I'm going to wrap it up. I'm trying, I'm trying to get down to JJ's and do some comedy tonight. So, um, let's call it, it, we've been, we've been going at this for a bit. Um, I'll do one more final plug on everything. Um, friday october 1st uh the day this episode comes out so tonight go ahead and get your tickets for my uh my next comedy show it's going to be at the bode hotel go to bodecomedy.com, get those tickets they're ten dollars um if you get there at eight there's a late happy hour that goes from eight to nine the show starts at nine it's going to be an awesome time i'm really excited to get out see you guys these shows do sell out um They're not sold out yet. Um, Typically, I I found out they all tend to sell out that last day. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's when most of the tickets move and usually they'll be gone by that afternoon this one's already about half sold out so this one's probably gonna you gotta you know this is gonna go live i think pretty early in the morning check check as soon as you're you you hear this and buy them now like go ahead and do that don't wait i'll get them at lunch now you probably won't get them at lunch is, is what i'm saying does the ticket include a drink or anything i think it includes one drink i think that's it does cool so uh so that's also cool that's they're gonna help you get your buzz on um with with a, with a uh with a ticket purchase um also you can uh check me out on uh the other podcast i'm on this week's episode of brew chat so if you go listen to the newest mm-hmm. brew chat i'm on there it was a real good episode went up today a lot of rambling oh, I got, yesterday i got pretty pretty darn drunk and uh rambled on quite a bit as i want to do um and then also every uh like monday we, we put out a new in chaos we trust where i talk about uh, with with you and with andrew we talk about um the world on fire that's the best way i know to describe yeah, it. that's pretty much it it is the world on fire uh in chaos we trust so check all that stuff out links to all that is in my link tree at uh boomer memes pod on instagram and you can also find me on uh on twitter at i am sharp official that's letter i the letter m for ian matthew sharp with no e sharp like a katana official. I am sharp official on Twitter. I feel like it takes way too much to spell that out. But anyway, uh, that also, you can get there from my link tree. My link tree is also there, whatever your preferred poison is that you want me in your life from, you can go there. Um, thanks guys. This has been boomer memes. Uh, we'll see you next time.